agree with that? Can I do, but that? I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> I'm sorry. And how can you say you agree with me? <laughs> I know, because that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> this whole thing just jogged something that I, honestly, I totally forgot about it until we started talking about you parenting. You are such a turd. I know, stupid, huh? <laughs> but there's a document on my, my computer from 2013. I decided in 2013 that I was going to write down some notes. Someday I would give my kids when they became parents. <laughs> and you just thought of it while we're yeah, talking. Yeah, I just thought of it while we're at the end here. We started talking. I'm like, well, I tell you what, I got an idea. Why don't you read those and I'll not listen to you right now? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, they better be good after all that. Well, I don't know. I was kind of looking them over because if they were really stupid, I wasn't going to bring it up. But I was just going to agree with you. It's a good, a good point, Steve-O. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to show you how to operate in a spirit. This is Happy Life Studios. This message is for you. This message is for you. This message is singular to you. It's not for anybody else. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to understand. Then are you happy? Now that's a great question. Does the sun set high? Does the sun set high? Welcome to Happy Life Studios. Happy Lifers. Welcome to Happy Life Studios, which is on location today at Camp Daniel. I'm here with the legend in his own mind, the one and the lonely, Tony Piantine. Tony, we haven't done a podcast together for a while. No, it was summer the last time and it's winter now. A lot of things have happened since we recorded last. That's obviously. true. Um, both of our boys are now in college. That's weird. And then it's, it's, our, it's both of our second, ch- our second children, our second what is your second child? <laughs> yes, second child. <laughs> my oldest, my oldest boy, uh, got married and uh, graduated, and he's moved back now towards Seattle, which I'm super excited about. But I dropped my son off just a couple weeks ago in Southern California, and you dropped yours off about a month ago. Yeah, in Chicago. So how was that for you? That was, you know, it, I was kind of surprised. The hardest part for me wasn't leaving him in L.A. And I'm telling you, he goes to Musicians Institute. And it is right across the street from the Chinese theater in Hollywood. I mean, it is right there. What what got me was when I had to drive him to the airport. I, you know, I'm I'm kind of sentimental, but even though he's going to be back and he's going to be back home and everything, he'll be back for you know a few weeks. But still, like it was like his last official <laughs> at home stay. Yep. And driving him to the airport, it it didn't even matter to Christine because she's not the sentimental one, and she's like. Tell me, I need to, uh, you know, just go to the airport by yourself. I got a bunch of stuff to do. I'm like, babe, it's our last time with <laughs> with with him. We got to go to the airport. It's like, why well, don't I, I'm going to see him in a few days? Because we had to fly him down early because he had to do a bunch of testing to see where they were going to place him for his, his drumming skills and what classes they're going to put him in. So we had to drive his stuff down. So you couldn't um, bring a drum set as carry on luggage. He couldn't, which is really weird. <laughs> um, I have to find another airline, I guess, because. Tilt or airlines just doesn't do that. But uh, <laughs> so I felt like my heart was in my throat. It's been a long time since I've had that feeling where it was just really it was difficult for me. And then we dropped them off and left them down there and came back home. wasn't a big deal. We drove back and took a couple days and we just spent some time together to drive back. But it wasn't until I got home and I I put a load of wash in and all of a sudden I'm like. Oh, these are Caleb's sheets. I don't want to wash Caleb's sheets. And then <laughs> I walked past his room, and he wasn't in there, and there wasn't 
you know, he keeps his room fairly clean, but they're just, his stuff was, a lot of his stuff was missing. And that, when I started to get hit a little bit, because we came home and then I was expecting my youngest son to be there and he was at his band practice. And I thought my oldest son and his wife would be there because they were living with us while they were finding a place. Um, They lived for about a month while they were finding a place to to rent themselves and so they weren't back from work yet and that was just christine and i i was like empty nesters already we still have a boy that's two years left before he graduates so um yeah that that's what it was like for us how about you was it as tough for you when you did that as when you dropped your girl off um no i think dropping my daughter off was much harder um it struck me when we got back home the first night and uh uh I threw a can into the recycling and the whole garbage can tipped over and made like a waterfall of cans. And I turn around to yell at Anthony and say, you didn't do the recycling. And he wasn't there. And I realized it's my job now. He got out with that doing that last recycling. (laughs) Yeah. But now it's officially my job because there's nobody else that lives here that'll do it. So, um, so yeah, that was, that's when it kind of struck me. Yeah. We had the same kind of thing with Caleb. It was like, Caleb, you need to do the litter. And and, uh, he said, that's the last time I'll ever do the litter. That's the last time I'll ever take out the garbage again. I'm like, don't say that. You can't say that. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but it yeah. is hard. It's it's one of those things that's like bittersweet because it's being a parent's all about raising a kid to become an adult and right. be on their own. And then <laughs> when they do, it kind of stings. Like, wait a minute. Come <laughs> yeah. back. Come yeah. Back. And then if they don't, yeah, and they're forty-two still living at your house, you know? <laughs> yeah, that can be tiresome. I would imagine, <laughs> like Step Brothers, that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I get you all the way. We have a group home, so we have people who live upstairs from us. You know, not in our in our house, but not at, like it's almost two different apartments. So we're never really alone, <laughs> right? Right. But it was, you know, it's something to get used to. Was Anthony like this? Like when it came time for us to go, we knew. Caleb was ready for us to leave. I'm like, we're down yeah. in LA, you know. I'm like, we could come back tomorrow. We could. Chris, he's yeah. like, he's ready for us to go, and I'm kind of close. I'm like, are you sure? Really? And yeah, he was ready. Yeah, Anthony was Anthony too. like that when you guys were? Yeah, <laughs> he was out. He's right in the South Loop of Chicago, like you know, right downtown, and you know where everything's going on. So he, you know, there was lots to see, and he was excited to get out and uh, start living in Chicago. As opposed to Athelstane, where yeah. he grew up. So, yeah. um, population four now down to three. Man, he just cut down the population of Athelstane by like twenty five percent. So I think there's more people that live in his building than live in our town, <laughs> which is I'm not exaggerating. I think there's more people that live in his suite than that live in your town. <laughs> that might be. Yeah. So, uh, what hit me really strongly after Anthony was gone and. My daughter got married this past year also, uh, like your son. And uh, But just what hit me was, you know, I, I don't know, when I when the kids were younger, I didn't really evaluate my parenting skills. I parented how I parented. And, you know, I don't know, once in a while you think about it, but when we left him there and drove away, it was like, did I... Did I was I a good right? parent? Yeah. Did I screw him up? <laughs> did I tell him everything he needs to know? Right. That's a, oh, I, I don't, was that tough for you? That was a horrible feeling for me. Yeah, it is a little bit of a. You know what? A thing that a problem that I think that I have with thing that com- combats my happy life um, is that I I tend to get too hard on myself. You know, and we've done a podcast before 
where we're in the middle of the podcast and I'm I'm talking about one of my boys and you you said something I don't know if I left in the podcast or if it was a side note but you're like and the you so you the reason you think you're a bad parent is why and I went oh I guess that was a good part wasn't it and I guess <laughs> I think that when it comes to parenting we can always find things that we did well you know sure and I think we can always find things that we've dropped the ball on but I think parenting is about imperfection. I th- I think it's it's parenting through that. There's no way we're going to be perfect and hit the ball out of the park every time or even get a base hit every time. I think it's the consistency and our kids know that we're there, but I think there's something about knowing that your parent is imperfect. I mean, I never saw my dad struggle because he always kept to himself quite a bit. So when I struggled, I felt like a, a bad parent. But I, I think part of my problem is, is I – I tend to think that I'm not a very good parent. I also tend to think I'm not a very good podcast. I tend to think that I'm not a very good husband. I tend to think that I'm not a very good communicator. I mean, I don't know where all that comes from, but I don't like it. You know, it tends to mess me mess me up quite a bit. And, and I'm learning how to, wait a minute, just because I feel that way doesn't necessarily mean that's true. And secondly, cut myself some slack to realize that no parent is perfect. But one thing I do know is that I've loved my boys and I've let my boys know that I love them. And I've been per- fairly consistent with that. But you know, when the stress moments have come, I haven't stood up to the challenge like I think I should have. And, you know, I don't know. See, I don't, I'm different in that way. I guess I I don't tend not to evaluate, but I think sometimes it's the position we're in in our marriage too because my wife sometimes with the kids would go into panic mode. So my job a lot was to be to lead lead her and lead our family and just tell her it was going to be okay whether I knew it was going to be okay so or not. So you couldn't afford to be in panic mode. Is that what you're saying? Right. So there was times like that where – you know, the only time I got in panic mode was one time when she got sick <laughs> and we thought she was having a major health scare. But other than that, um, you know, I, that's the role I tend to play in our family is, yeah. you know, the solid rock kind of in some ways. And um, so I think that leads to not evaluating. It just leads to, you know, I I, I trust that everything's going to be okay. And um, I think there's some definitely some advantage to that. I always tease my wife that, you know, she's the dude and I'm the babe. We kind of switch roles because, <laughs> you know, I'm the one that gets, I can get real panicky. And my wife is the one who talks me off the ledge a lot. And, uh, but I do notice that when I'm, you know, when it's my child or I'm counseling someone or I'm life coaching somebody, um, that I find the times when I can't panic. In fact, I just had an instance this last week where I was, I was doing some life coaching and, um, I couldn't panic because I had to walk this person through it. And I have to tell you, it actually, I thought, man, I could be panicking about this right now, but I knew that I couldn't. And the fact that I couldn't, it actually was comforting to me. And when I realized, wait a minute, I didn't have to go on panic mode and panic mode wouldn't have helped me, but I get it. Like when you've got to be the strong person, then you don't go in panic mode. And that's kind of a, a nice thing, you know? Yeah. The other thing for me, as far as, parenting goes is that uh i've i've always i've liked this there's a quote that i look upon a lot and it's by dr joyce brothers which i wouldn't typically quote her yeah throw that out there (laughs) you can't quote her teddy roosevelt or something yeah i wish abraham lincoln (laughs) yeah that would be good but dr joyce brothers and most you know young people have no idea who that is but it's that one of the greatest proofs of love is trust and so I've always struggled with trust really? on some level in my life, but 
it, it I look at that quote a lot because it is to me trust is the proof of love and and so I look at my kids and dropping off my son at college and I think I don't know if I was a good parent but I know I was good at loving him yeah and and the proof of that is his trust in me and my trust in him and yeah um and he's gonna fail I know that that's a I mean I you know, God made Adam and Eve, and they didn't do what right. He wanted them to do. So and God why called His twelve disciples, and they <laughs> weren't the best examples either. Right. right. So, like, I don't think that way of evaluating is right or fair. Or, you know, yeah. that's not something we should do to ourselves. That's good. We shouldn't. We shouldn't judge ourselves that I'm a good. You know, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. Right. But there's there are proof of things, and you know, trust is a big, big part of that. Like. You know, I think that's one of the great ways to evaluate how you've been a parent. Um, is, does trust exist? And I, I really love um, what you said about that just a few moments ago. About there, there. First of all, there's there's so many things about parenting. It's it's a complicated thing. It's not just you do A, B, and C, and then they. You know, it's not a it's not even a mathematical problem. If it was, it'd be one of those that would take up miles of chalkboard space to try to. <laughs> you know, it's like every day is a different part of the equation, and you're figuring it out. And by the end of the time they go off to college, you're and then that's why X the factor equals <laughs> you know whatever. Yeah. Um, but because so there's a lot of layers and. Poffey's got layers. I mean, there's a lot of layers to to parenting, and it's just not an easy thing to do. But I, you know me, I like to simplify things a lot, and you like to point that out that I do simplify things a lot. I oversimplify things that I know I do that. Um, but I liked how you put it just a second ago when you said, you know, I might, I know I haven't done all the parenting right, but I know that I have. What do you say? I've loved my son. Yeah, I've loved. I've loved right. I've loved, you know, the best of the ability that I have, and and uh, so that's, you know, I've given my all there. So is that what you say by when you say I loved right? Does that mean that you are perfect in your love? Does that no. mean you didn't blow it? Does or does that mean that you? Well, I think that you know, love covers all things. So you know, within that is the mercy and the forgiveness and all the things that I need as a parent um, are part of that. So. Yeah. Uh, then I don't have to. With that, I don't have to worry. That that that's how I know to trust. And do you think? Do you think that? Um, well, I guess you just said it. Even apologizing—that's part of loving, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes it'd be better to blow it on purpose. If you're so perfect, it'd be better to blow it on purpose so you could say I'm sorry. I think right. sometimes that goes farther than never blowing it. I just think there's something about when someone does something wrong. And, and it hurts me or whatever, but they come to me and they apologize. I just think that if I forgive them and I embrace that, we're just closer together. And I think families are about screwing up together and blowing it together and making mistakes together and yelling at each other, but saying you're for sorry. And would you agree with that? Oh, def- you know, for sure. Definitely. You know, and I, it's funny. I talk, I've talked to a lot of people about that concept and I grew up with parents that weren't afraid to say they were sorry and it was one of the most powerful um expressions of love to me like i fully grasped god's forgiveness and god's mercy because not because my parents gave it to me they did but it's because they let me give it to them 
And that's like what some, do you mean? Well, because they would when they messed up or they did something wrong or said or did the wrong thing, they often I can remember often at the end of the night, either of them sitting on my bed and saying they were sorry for this or that, and it it developed that muscle of being able to be forgiving wow. and showing mercy. And I don't I I I just thought that's what everybody did, wow. and it wasn't until adulthood that I realized that a lot of people I knew never heard their parents say they're sorry ever and it was shocking to me and i it, it has made me think over the years how important that is to to teach your kids you know how to how to be forgiving and how yeah. to be have that kind of grace like if you don't get to do that how do you learn that because going into adult life i think it gets harder and harder and harder to have that I remember there was a point in my life where it was really difficult. I was really stressed out, and I didn't have the maturity in the years behind me to um, know how to handle it like I would handle it now. I'd handle it different, a little bit differently. But I remember yelling at my kids. I swear I yelled at them every day. I was or I was rolling my eyes at them, or just you know, why are you doing that? Why I, I felt like I lost it, was losing my cool every day. And it would hit me every day. And every night, man, I swear for months, every night I would go up there and I would say, Daddy's really sorry. I'm stressed out. And uh, would you please forgive me? I, I don't want to yell at you. And I'm sorry that I yelled at you. But I remember at, at one point uh, just telling God, I'm, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I can't. I'm a hypocrite. I can't <laughs> say I'm sorry one night and then go in the next night and say I'm sorry again. I can't say I'm sorry and keep on yelling. And I think that's a lie that we believe and why I think it's a lie because I felt like uh, God put an impression on my heart. I guess when I say, when I feel like God spoke to me, it's really an impression. It's like a, a thought process I have in my head. And I felt like God was, was telling me you're going to apologize as many times as you blow it. If you fall, you're going to get back up again and your kids are going to see you do that. And so, you know, the only thing worse than, than um, yelling at somebody is is yelling at somebody and not apologizing to them and le- letting that just stay there. So I remember he said, you're going to, for as many times as you blow it, you're going to say, I'm sorry. And I think sometimes that we just, I think that we believe the lie of, you know, I've blown it, so I've got I've to keep it inside and I can't say anything about it. And I think when we keep silent and we've blown it, we give that mistake power over us. I think that th- that mistake becomes a thief that steals away our happy when we do not apologize. It doesn't take anything to say, I blew it, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter if they blew it because we can't make them apologize to us. All we can do is talk about our actions and our apologies. And so, um, you know, I think that, that when we blow it, it's just it's important to say, I'm sorry, because we take that power away from that mistake when we say we're sorry. And we're not responsible for whether they forgive us or not. But we are responsible for ourselves. So I think for me to wrap the whole thing up, I don't know about you, Tony, how you'd wrap it all up, but I'd wrap it all up with that one statement that you said where you, and maybe I'll pull it up and post it here, but that one statement where you said, I didn't parent perfect, but I did love my kids. And Yeah, I loved to the best of my ability. Yeah, that was it. And that was it. And that's all I think. I don't, I honestly, when I, I read the Bible, I don't, you know, when you're supposed to bring up your kids in the ways of the Lord, well, that's, it's love. It, you you need to show love. And beyond that, you know, I, I think that's the yeah. number one main thing. And when I come across, especially young adults that have problems and big life issues, it's often tied into feeling love, uh, having parents that maybe didn't express love in 
you know, typical ways. And, uh, you know, I think that's a lot of parenting come down to that. So for me, I think it's twofold. For me, I think it's that don't be so, it's threefold actually, I guess. Don't be so hard on yourself, number one. And secondly, if you've made a mistake, then apologize. Say you're sorry. Bring that out into the light so it no longer has any hold over you. And thirdly, realize that when it comes to parenting or anything else in life, it's not always about doing it perfect. It's about loving them because relationship is the most important thing in life. It's it's about people. It's not about success or, you know, the reason we want to be successful is because of people. The reason we want to create a product for our businesses because of people. We want to help people's lives get better. It's it's really about that relationship. I think when God made Adam and he said it's not good for him to be alone, I'm going to make make people to live with him and I'm going to tell them to be fruitful and multiply and, and build a world around them that's full of a bunch of people. And so it's always about people. And you may you may have, have blown it. You may be blowing in, in a spot right now where you, you're messing up or whatever. Say you're sorry and realize it's all about just loving to the best of your ability. So that jogs something else to me. That I think for me that's a big part of parenting. Like I don't think you're you are a good parent or you aren't. I think you either learn about parenting or you don't. Wow. And so that's I think deep. in the process it changes you. I like the whole concept of those parents they either learn from parenting or they don't. Right. You know, and I think it's like a good coach. Uh, you have to adapt in the middle of the game when the right. other team starts, and when you have kids, a lot of a lot of parents. Well, we all we we need to learn from our parenting, and we need to adapt as it comes along its way. And um, really, the most important thing is about your love, and that they know that you love. And um, and uh, and lastly, the whole you know learn learn from it and adapt as you go. I'm glad I don't have to edit this podcast. <laughs> I, I, that, I was thinking that five minutes ago. Like, I don't know how I'm going to edit this whole thing. But um, <laughs> it just goes to prove the point that you were just making as far as, you know, you you have to adapt. You Do you learn from it or not? And I think that's the way it is with life as well as with parenting. So just keep loving. When you don't know what else to do, keep loving. And then keep adapting and, and do your best. But you're going to blow it. But you want to make sure that you stay consistent on the love. And then you want to cut yourself some slack and... Don't beat yourself up so much. Parenting is not an easy thing to do. Is there anything that you want to say to any any parents out there? Yeah, parenting's not easy, but I. It was my fiftieth birthday yesterday. Yes, it was. And so I got asked more than fifty times what I've learned in fifty years. So I did a post on it on Facebook, which I rarely do, but and it's back to that same quote where, if you want to measure love in some way one of the easy measurables is trust because trust is an outcome of true love. And so if you truly love your kids, truly, uh, trust is part of that. And, and I'm not saying you trust your kids to do whatever they want. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just saying you have to trust that you love the best you could and trust that God's going to take the the love that you did the best you could and turn it into something wonderful for your kids and I trust that I don't, so I don't, I really don't have worries, you know, that something I did is going to screw them up severely. I mean, there's going to be a few things, obviously, but, uh, probably more uh, than a few. I can bring your family in here right yeah, now. We can should. talk about that. That'd be a good podcast. <laughs>
you bring in three generations here, we can all right, argue it true. out. But that's there'll be a lot of yelling. Yeah, so. but, uh, but not a lot of apologizing. <laughs> no apologizing. About the yell, yelling anyway. <laughs> well, I hope that I hope that helps you guys. I know this podcast kind of went all over the place, but that's kind of how our, our brains work. I'm anyway. confused now. I don't, yeah, right. I don't know if I was a good but, parent or not. Maybe, maybe. I'm starting to worry now. <laughs> you, now you're not trusting anymore. No. <laughs> Uh, uh, thanks for listening (laughs) I hope that helped (laughs) make someone happy make just one someone happy and you will be happy too I don't know. Is this worth even going through, or is it just stupid? I guess I don't know. I wasn't really listening to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Neither were my kids, so it works so good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe that's one of the great skills of to be able to talk and talk when nobody's listening. <laughs> Steve Ace.